are listening to Surplus Bulbs, a radio show by Ed Hicks, written and recorded in Hackney. Episode 7, the quarantine episode. village at the foot of the mountain. Trade routes were open. The farms yielded more than enough for us, and our toils paid off in good harvests and mild winters. Yet the abiding memory of my years in the village was the time of the sickness. I remember the house three doors down was the first case I saw. It was an unmarried man in his thirties. At night, He could be seen aimlessly wandering, blank, hunched over and muttering, up and down the lanes. He got skinnier and more vacant until he just didn't leave his house anymore. The alderman and the priest went to visit as all the people on the street were beginning to get concerned. The door was not locked, and there he was wasted away to nothing in the chair by the window. This was a man in the prime of his life, a good job and drinking friends, but for reasons unknown, he just gave up. We thought this was just a one-off until more people went missing, only to be found sat in their chairs by the window, shriveled and gone. When the fifth casualty was found, handwritten posters got tagged up on all the corners of the streets, calling attention to a town meeting in the church. And all the heads of the families came to hear the news. There was without doubt a sickness. Steps had to be taken. No one knew any of the details, but we were told it could be identified by the listlessness, the lack of sociability, We did not know how it spread, as even though they were the first to be around the dead man from three doors down, both the priest and the alderman seemed fine. Everyone had their own ideas. Our first move was to get rid of the horses. The man down the road had worked in the tavern stables. Horses bore people from town to town. It could have been on them. The horses were observed, but seemed normal. No increased level of introversion if such a quality could be observable in horses. But we had to be sure, and they were all led to a paddock outside of town and quarantined there. At night they slept in the barn. There was an old woman who lived by the river, and she was asked what she thought was going on. She made some vague predictions about the moon that no one really understood. The alderman said she was most likely mad, and my father said that she was definitely mad, and he didn't care about the state of the moon, so that was that. We decided it was best if everyone stayed at home, only going out for food. But harvest was two months away, we knew that couldn't work for long. The people were getting paranoid, overly vigilant. Allegations flew left and right. You have it. No, I don't. You do. 
No, I don't. They do over there. No, we don't. Those lots over in the mill have it. It came from the southern town. It came from the river. It came from those yams. People blamed foreigners. People blamed the sinful of the cities. Everyone blamed the king. Now, because in the early stages of the disease, people exhibited signs of depression, all displays of negative emotion would now be seen as suspicious, enough for you to be given solitary confinement for a month. It was now vital for everyone in town to remain as chipper as possible, even though all around them people were dying. If someone in the house contracted the wasting sickness, they would be immediately sent to the home of one of the recently deceased, and efforts were made to keep their spirits up. The brass band that played every last Sunday of the month was now on daily demand and would have to split up their time running through various upbeat pieces in the front gardens of the wasters' new abodes. At midday they would arrive at a house on a nearby street and play solidly for half an hour before wearily packing up and hauling their huge metal pipes across the river to the next home that needed their cheer. I snuck out on a couple of occasions to see the brass band and just passed them through the front window. You could see whoever was locked in there, staring without emotion at the musicians, wheezing and farting these pointless old songs. Then there were the morning calls. A few hours after dawn, every morning, each house was obliged to come out onto the front garden and sing the organist's specially written Happy Town song as loud as they could. Failure to do this was unthinkable in the situation, so groggy-headed, we piled out and began yowling as loud as we could to show that we were doing just great. Obviously there was no way to synchronize the entire village, and as per the organist's demands, there were three key changes. It ended up in a harmonically clashing dirge all across the rooftops. You could hear this horrible wailing. It didn't even sound like a song, more similar to the white noise from a beehive all those different pitches brought together. I only remember the last line. For the sake of God and King. I had never seen a picture of the King, but I imagined he was probably quite similar to God. Similar, but here on Earth. Something like an assistant. I'd seen pictures of God in the church. He looked a bit like the priest, but more handsome, which I suppose made sense. On market days, when the wives of the households were allowed to go in and swap or buy foodstuffs. Initially, they were asked to wear their shawls as a face covering. But soon it was realized that you couldn't tell if someone was happy, if all you could see were the eyes. People needed to see if the mouth was pointing up or down. So the masks were abandoned in the market, and everyone just tried to stay as happy as possible. Tried to show each other that things were fine even though many of us had lost family members. My mother went first. She tried to stay in good temper, but you could see that distracted look in her eyes in the mornings. By noon, she had barely achieved anything, and at night, we had to take her in from the garden, where she was just staring at this bucket we had. She said she was fine, but she was not. When the men came to take her away, none of us were really surprised, one of the neighbors must have seen her in the garden, staring in the bucket. Naturally, we all had to pretend to be positive about this, and the whole procedure was performed as if she was being escorted to a secret birthday party. But we knew. We knew that once she was in that house across town, 
we would never get her back. Something like a religious mania now gripped the village. People drew big smiles on their faces and prayed loudly in the street. Others whipped their backs, laughing and laughing to prove they had nothing to worry about. There was now a new separate religious movement in the surviving population. They were known as the beasts. Realizing that animals were free from sickness, they decided to align themselves with the lower forms of life. They had relocated to a copse outside of town, discarded their clothes, and foraged for berries and mushrooms. I never saw them, but heard stories of their bizarre ideas and mad orgies out in the cops. But the rest of us, we pretty much ignored them. Dad went next. He was already coming down and we were pretty hard. It was maybe a month later. He had isolated himself in his bedroom while I took care of the house and animals. The men came in the morning and led him to that same house three doors down. We would call these get well homes, but no one ever did. Through all this, the alderman and the priest tried desperately to keep people's spirits up. It was not sure if this alone would in any way slow or even stop the progression of the wasting, but at a loss for options, they became utter zealots. Obviously with the horses gone, no one was leaving the village, and there were signs on the main roads in and out of town saying, keep out, the wasting is upon us. Just before bed, I had taken to going down and trying to talk to dad through the window. I remembered that he liked books and pressed interesting bits of books I had read up against the window, but he barely acknowledged me. It was quiet in the village. Almost half of us were gone by now, and the bodies were left in the houses. The smell is not something I can describe. The happy time morning songs had been scrapped, but to keep morale up, the alderman demanded that we go to the marketplace and sing for at least half an hour a day. Some people brought pots and pans to beat, some instruments, and we would rattle through folk songs we had learnt round the fire. Our grandparents' songs, Hey Ho, The Wind in the Field, and Around the Rose Garden. I suppose it was nice enough, but down there, as I would look around, mouthing the words, you could see past the smiles, and the shouting, and the forced laughter, and the drunken dancing, and people were crying. They were totally losing themselves. And all of these activities to keep us chipper, weren't doing anything. Being an only child, and with my parents gone, people mostly ignored me. I would raid some of the new empty houses for food and treats, but it was becoming clear to me that I had to get out of this dying town with its fake grins and its mad singing. So without telling anyone, I got my things together, loaded them up onto a little trolley, and one morning, at first light, I picked my way up the dirt roads as quietly as I could, up to the pasture just outside of town where the horses were kept. When I got there, I saw that quite a few people had had the same idea. Virtually all of them were gone, either stolen or left to run off. But of the four or five left, I selected a healthy looking mare. She had long eyelashes and pale hair. I named her after my grandmother, put my supplies into a saddle sack, and together we rode over the little stone bridge the one that spans the mountain stream to the west of town. I knew I could look back and see the village nestled at the foot of the mountain, to see the steeple rising over the houses with their curling wisps of smoke. But I did not look back, and we rode on.
time. It's morning time. Morning time. Blame the wine. Bruised, bleeding, backwards wine. Thanks, Asda. Thanks for that. Somewhere out there. Somewhere out of the fog, fog, underwater percussion, reaching the host over half-lit miles of sludge. And my cabbage heart clunks inside mildew sheets, hauling thick brown blood up from the drains and begin, begin again. Back to the beginning. The blustered blood was backed up and, and people say it's the wine. Blame the wine. Open your eyes, eyes open and it's Wednesday time, not again. Not another Wednesday, but apparently it was arranged, pre-arranged, and there's no changing it now, no changing the arrangement. Too late, too late for that. For that it's set in stone, no changing it now. With meagre light, pissing in the room, like dog juice on a pole. And the swelling taxis roar outside, the grumble flies, everywhere and here and waking up. Fully clothed, with the lights on, feeling like hell. Thanks, wine. Thank you very much. I stay here, but here is all we got, really. <laughs> Follow your please. Yeah, from here it's all joined up. Like you almost forget how amazing everything is, you know. You gotta count your blessings and all that. It is all at the flick of a switch when you think about it. What else does one need, you know? Outside, and I don't mean like in VR, I mean like the real, real outside. It kind of just stopped being an option years ago, as you know. Yeah, but I mean, with all the germs, the bombs, you know, the score, like horror, every end of the stick. I guess only those with nothing to lose went out there, but they got lost in the end. Germs, bombs, <laughs> who wants that? I mean, it was either those religious nutters or um, them lot, um, yeah, them lot in the East, you know? 
Dove could have actually been the law in the West. To be fair, a few people said that. Am I seeing anyone? Nah, not really. I mean, there is always some video boys here and there, but you know, people just like sending stuff these days. To do it live on camera, it's pretty rare. It's kind of commitment, right? Thing is though, like you don't actually know if it's being live cast to like a streaming node or something. That's what happened to, oh, what's her name? 88 Claire, yeah, like just a few months ago. It was weird because like a lot of people actually just record skin clips anyway, just for the frame. But I guess it's the not knowing, like she lost so many points, it's crazy. She did bounce back eventually. You know, like, if you take care of your circle, then they can take care of you. <laughs> well, kind of. My family, completely uninstalled now. Like, you have to move on. Obviously, I haven't seen any of them in the real <laughs> since is before all this trouble started, really. Well, them or anyone at all, for that matter. But whatever, you know, they all stopped being of any real interest a long time before all of this rubbish. I mean, who's got time for all that stuff? The past. Don't let yesterday write today's news. That's the tagline, isn't it? The one that we all had to say at the end of the communications. My terminal, well, obviously it's the best. Like the whole thing just runs like a dream. I was just thinking the other night, like before the sleep months, it's just kind of a, of a vending machine. Do you remember seeing pictures of them? Like you type in your number and it gives you some like chalky treat or something. That's basically us now, isn't it? What do you want? You just type it in and it just arrives. <laughs> Imagine having to go and try and find a place that sells that exact thing. It'd be just madness, to be honest. Plus, now you can track the drones from the distribution center right to your house. So yeah, you always know what's going on. It is a little strange how the drones seem to be able to go out and about outside and we aren't. But whatever, I guess they have a reason. Follow your place. Yeah, that's what the tattoo says. Really, that's how the slogan goes, the public service announcements, and these days even the children sing along. Follow your own place. And now, to be fair, more than ever, you really can. I mean, yeah, you know, there is the stuff outside, but 
we got it all in here. Okay, so you want to know about acting? Look, first I must say I don't go out looking for ex-worthy people in the clique, you know, but you've got to admit that standards just have to be kept up. Someone starts saying something that is just off from the party's circle line or the clique line. What are you going to do? I mean, you just have to report them to the other members and, and obviously the local division representative. But if you don't do it, someone else is going to anyway and then you just don't get the extra points. Who doesn't want the extra points? I mean, it has to be for something really bad, obviously, that you don't just go and report people for the sake of it. Like, there was this girl called, um, Hempra446, I think, yeah. A while back, she just would not stop buying all of these new furnishings in green. And I, she knew, she knew that it wasn't the year thing. And I remember there was like a few of us that said, green isn't a thing, but she just wouldn't listen. And everyone in the circle was just like holding their breath. Like, that's, that's just not how you do it at all. Like, we were all in the DMs like, can you believe this girl? Is she really that stupid to ignore everyone in this? I mean, <laughs> like the clock was sticking on that one. And if I didn't report it, you know that someone else would, so yeah. Classy TV 68 would, no question about that. And he got the last one. So anyway, it all went down and Hambra 446 was in my DMs like, you can't do this to me, I've been so good for the circle. Well, what can you do? I mean, I'm not a monster, so... I just blocked her. I mean, it's better that way. She, she will learn on the re-up. Oh yeah, did I not mention that before? Yeah, she totally jacked in when I cancelled her click account, profile suicide or whatever they call it. I just, yeah, I think there is a name. What she did though, right? I heard that she did it before they could just take all the credits off her and put her score down. So that's, to be fair, quite a clever one. I mean, she must have done it before, like joining a perfectly good clique that everything is going well and then BAM! Green furnishing and that's Jason. <laughs> Probably done it loads over the years. And you see, that's a real issue I think. A new profile comes up in your area, you think, oh okay, we'll give them a try. So you, you invite them in, right? And let's not forget, even your location can be hacked, right? I remember I knew this guy for months before it turned out that he was in the former Greek state. Crazy, right? Obviously, I, I reported him straight away, but you get the problem, right? If you don't know a new profile's past, then really, it could just be anyone. And that's the issue right there. Is a profile really new or is some that's already been exiled from the same clique? your clique maybe on a second run like they re-up 
and just come back as someone new. I mean, I was talking to these uh, fans B99 and I swear that there was just something about them, like the words they used, it just really, really remind me of that hamper with all of their silly green furnishing bullshit. I mean, maybe it was nothing. I don't know, but now, obviously, I can't just call them out there and then. Is that you, Emperor 446? Is that you behind the mask of Fence Me in 99? If I come across as I all crazy, then I could just lose points, and I'm definitely not doing that. Not with my score. <laughs> it's taken me a long time to get this high, you know? So I just had to sit in it. Of course, I have opened the file, and anytime there is anything suspicious, that stuff just goes in there. For example, like whenever we have screen time, I always check for like these little overlay artifacts in the picture, you know? I mean, it's true, like we all use face filters like crazy, so it's already super tough to know as it is. And to be fair, I actually don't even know what anyone looks like in the real. I mean, for all I know. <laughs> for all I know, the whole circle could just be bots. <laughs> I mean, it is possible. But there is no point running through all that again. Like, it used to drive me mad because you just can never really be sure. So either I have a bot circle or not, and what are you going to do if they're all bots? Please click algorithm. Can I be put in touch with some real people, please? Pathetic, man. I know it happens, but can you actually imagine making some big call out to the click like, you're all bots, you're not real, I'm the only real one here. They'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? May as well just jack it all in right there and then, full on delete. You'd just be out in seconds. Just, it's just best to follow the steps. Buy the right stuff, say the slogans when you're meant to, turn people in, stay safe, blah, blah, blah. Keep the click pure and follow your place. That's the way. I was trapped in your house. You left before I awoke. And your cupboards were empty. And your cat needed feeding. So I laid the table. And I wrote you a letter. And I ate that instead. And the cat showed no interest. And jumped out the window. Right into the path. 
of an oncoming vehicle that carried on going. And I picked up the cat with its blood down my shirt and it whispered the place where you keep all your secrets. And I went in the house and I closed all the blinds and I went to the place that your dead cat had mentioned and I opened the box and the box inside that and found to my horror you've taken them with you tied up in your hair so no one would notice but they fall in your eyes and ruin your day job cause they're heavy as lead and they stop you from sleeping and they stink out the house turn your bath water murky and you're scaring the children when you travel on buses with your red sleepless eyes and your hair full of secrets and they ask you to leave cause you're scaring the children and when you get back to your nowhere apartment and you find me asleep from gorging on letters with your run over cat dead in my arms and your neatly set table and your neatly stacked washing and your neatly made bed and your box without secrets and me in the middle like the scene of a murder in a paperback novel you bought from a newsstand on your way from the office
You have been listening to Surplus Bulbs, written and produced by Ed Hicks, with music by Ed Hicks, featuring the voice of Carlotta Bassani. If you wish to support this show, follow the links in the text to our big cartel shop. Good night.